I know I say this every time we teach how I absolutely love this chapter. Uh, most of the time I'm lying, but this one I really absolutely love. No, they're, they're all amazing. That's the beauty of the Bible. I love getting a chance to get into some of these chapters where you take a look at it. And you're like, Lord, what do you want me to get out of this? This one, though, is so straightforward. As, as I was preparing this message, it's almost information overload. This is the chapter of Abraham offering up Isaac as, as his son. Now, I mean, obviously, just put yourself into this perspective. Any one of you out there that have children, you know, imagine the Lord laying it on your heart to go take your child and, and to go sacrifice them. Now, I, I've had discussions before with people that would call themselves atheist or agnostic, etc., whatever you want to say. And they always say, this is the chapter they bring up. How could I want to serve a God that was wanting Abraham to offer his child up as a sacrifice? Let's make this point right here from the beginning and make it abundantly clear. It was never God's intention to have Isaac be sacrificed. It never was. The Lord was testing Abraham. And you may stop and say, well, that's an awful test. I mean, what an awful test that the Lord says, I'm testing you, Abraham. And the way I'm going to test you is, are you willing to give up your child? Let's talk about this for a little bit here. We've got a couple slides we want to talk about. Dustin, can you put the first one up there, if you don't mind, please? First one here. This is a key point. This is not my point. I'm going to give credit where credit to do. I just love how simple this pastor said it. This was not a test to produce faith. This was a test to reveal faith. This was never the intention of where God said, Okay, Abraham, I want you to do this. That never was the intention. This was an intention to say Abraham was willing to do it. This is one thing I've noticed in ministry. This is one thing I've noticed with walking with the Lord for 20 years. There's a lot of times where I'm just willing to go minister, and then I don't have to. And when I say I don't have to, it doesn't mean that I don't want to. The Lord kind of closes the door. And I've said to people before, I think sometimes the Lord just wants to say, are you willing? I mean, think about all these things we say as Christians. I'm going to love the unlovable. I don't care who that person is. I'm going to be able to forgive them. You know, I'm going to show the love of Jesus. And But when you really have to do it, it is difficult to do. When you really think about what Christ did on the cross, dying on the cross and saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. What a difficult concept that is to do. And I've had moments in my Christian walk where there's a situation that's popped up and I felt like the Lord said, you need to go be a loving person. You need to go. And it's difficult to do. And I'm willing. And as I'm willing to do it, the Lord almost closes the door and said, that's all I, just all I wanted to reveal is that you were willing to go do it. Once again here with Abraham and Isaac, I cannot stress this to you enough. God never wanted the blood of Isaac as a sacrifice. God does not want human sacrifice. That's not his choice. That's not his decision. He just wanted to have a test to reveal the faith of Abraham. And that's what this revealed. Let's jump right into this. Verse 1 of Genesis 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Some of your translations, King James, may say God tempted Abraham. If you look up that word tempted, it literally means to test. And said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering in one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and those arose and went to the place which God had told them. But on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we We'll come back to you. 
Verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Now let's just stop here for a second. Lots of things to talk about. Did you catch this? Look at verse 5. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. We will come back. I think this is interesting. Can you put the next slide up there? There's a verse in Hebrews that says this. This is out of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and who had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. What this verse is saying is Abraham's faith. This is interesting. See, a lot of times we don't get the behind-the-scene picture. Here in Genesis 22, we see the story. Hebrews 11 reveals what was going through Abraham's mind. This is what was going through Abraham's mind. God asked me to offer up Isaac. God promised me Isaac. So therefore, if I offer up Isaac and and I kill him, God's just going to raise him from the dead. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that, that, that is almost what I call crazy faith. We don't have that anymore. And I'm not in any way whatsoever implying that God is going to ask you and tempt you, test you to offer up your child to, to reveal your faith. That's not the Lord's plan. This is a one-time scenario that actually has a lot of similarities to Jesus, which we'll get to in a second. But, isn't it amazing that Abraham was willing to go through this mentally? He mentally was getting ready to kill his child in the back of his mind thinking, well, if I kill him, God's just going to raise him up because he's the promised child. That is Amazing. But yet we as Christians struggle with so much. We allow such little things in life to completely deflate us and knock us down. And I I sometimes stop in my own Christian walk and say, boy, where's my faith? I mean, seriously, Lord, where's my faith? And this is something we have to talk about sometimes. I think as believers, we have what I call very broad faith. We believe God created the world in six days, but we believe he parted the Red Sea, parted the Jordan. Jonah lived in the belly of a fish. You know, we have these broad faith things, and we believe that. But then yet, my situation at work is so completely horrendous, I can't imagine I'm ever going to get through it. That electric bill is so high, there is no way that I can get that paid. So broad faith, I can believe God created the world in six days. Minuscule problems all of a sudden destroy me. There's something wrong with our faith when it comes to that. I've shared with you so many times before. I had a Sunday school teacher that ingrained this into me. If you can believe Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, you can believe anything. That's faith that we need to have. So Abraham had this faith, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense, which means Abraham's mindset was, listen, I was dead when I had him. I was 100 years old. So if God could give me a child at 100 and Sarah a child at 90 while we were figuratively dead, then he's going to be able to take care of this. Now, where does that faith come from? That faith can only come from somebody walking with the Lord, being in the Word, being in prayer, being in the Spirit, being in worship. That faith does not come from somebody having a casual, I'll see you on Sunday relationship with Christ. It doesn't work. That faith has to come from a deep-rooted faith in the Lord. Richard taught a while ago, and one of the points that he mentioned was these patriarchs in the Old Testament 
had the good days and the bad days. Abraham had a lot of good days. Abraham had a lot of bad days. But even in those bad days, there was this element of faith in the Lord. Listen, as a believer, you have good days and bad days. I have good days and bad days. But is there progress? Is there evidence? We were just talking about that on Sunday. Is there evidence of a growing relationship with Christ? Too many people go to church too often, and we get into this stale, stagnant, treading water relationship with Christ. Our marriages don't grow. Our families don't grow. Our witness doesn't grow. And I don't mean that in some type of legalistic burden on you. I'm saying, is my growing? Am I, am I becoming a stronger man or woman of God in what I do and say? And some ways, sometimes I should say, the only way that's revealed is through tests like this. The test was there to reveal faith. I remember one time hearing a testimony. And it was an awful testimony. I mean, it was awful. It was, it was a husband and a wife, and they were in this awful car accident, and their four children died. They're the only two that survived. What an awful thing. And I remember they were on Focus on the Family, talking to Dr. Dobson. And, and as they were talking about this, the question came up to them of how, how, how can you handle that? And they said, we, we couldn't. We can't handle it. The only way we can get handle it is through faith. See, there's something in the Bible called the gift of faith. And, and you hear these stories, I hear these stories, and in my back of my mind I think, Lord, I can never go through that. And the answer is, you're right, you could never go through that. But at the moment of time when that event happens, there's something called the gift of faith that gives you strength to get through it. There's no way that any of us could ever offer up our child. No way. But in that moment, God gave Abraham the faith to say, trust me. And that's exactly what happened. That's the gift of faith. So right now, when you're sitting here and you're worried about what that diagnosis will be, and you're worried about that situation at home, that situation where, and you've convinced yourself, I can't handle it, the Lord says, yeah, you, you can, because faith will kick in at that time. And as faith kicks in at that time, wow, the Lord gets you through it. And how does faith come? Well, the Bible says faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Being in the Word, being in prayer, being in fasting, being in worship, being in the Spirit, that grows your faith to be able to handle these tests and trials as they come. Now we're going to take a quick stop here for a second. But they got quick questions, comments as we laid the groundwork of faith and trusting in the Lord there. Ryan. Uh, the mm-hmm. That's that an excellent question, Ryan. And I wish somebody was smart enough to get a slide with that. Dustin, do you have anything behind door number three? Well, I'll be. Look at that. Mariah, <laughs> right up there by Jerusalem. Because I knew somebody named Ryan would probably ask me. So, right up there by Jerusalem is where Mount Moriah is. Beersheba is where Abraham's been at. As you can see, it's quite the distance to get up there. And that's why, if you read this in the context of the chapter, it took about three days. It took about three days of travel to get up there. Some people, and we don't know this for sure, some people. There's a lot of similarities here between Isaac and Jesus. Isaac, promised child. Jesus, promised child. Isaac, you're going to name him Isaac. Jesus, you're going to name him Jesus. Look at the other verses. Verse 2. Take now your son, your only son. Now, is that Abraham's only son? No. He's got this other guy, Ishmael. In the eyes of God, Isaac is the chosen one. Next one, verse 2. You're going to go sacrifice just like Jesus. You can see here verse 3. Why did these two extra guys come along? Some people believe it's a symbolism of the two thieves that were on the cross with Christ. Verse 6. Who has to carry the wood? Isaac has to carry the wood. 
for his own sacrifice, which is a picture maybe of Jesus carrying the cross. Why did it take three days to get up there? Maybe it's a picture of three days of Jesus in the tomb. It's very interesting that he's called a lad. In verse, um, where was that at? Verse 5, the lad. Now, anytime I ever heard the story of Isaac growing up as a kid, I, I always imagined this child. This word lad in the Hebrew is a very interesting word. It can mean a child, but it can also mean a man maybe up to 20, even 30 years old. Ishmael was called a lad in the study of just a couple weeks ago. And at that time, Ishmael easily could have been 17, 18, 19 years old. So when you envision Isaac here getting ready to be sacrificed, and the Bible says that he was bound on the altar, he willfully, let me stress that again, willfully was bound on the altar. This is not Abraham, I'm not trying to make a joke out of this, knocking him out unconscious, saying that's the only way I can get him. Some people believe, and I, and I looked it up in the Hebrew, and I'm not an expert on he, Hebrew, so I can't say for sure, but it says when they went together, verse 6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. That word together means unity and purpose. And this one commentator said that he believes Isaac knew kind of what was going on. So, going back to Ryan's question, that's where they think Moriah was. And if that's where Moriah was, it's very, very close to where we think Calvary was. You can see the similarities here between Isaac and Jesus, a willful sacrifice that was willing to lay down his life, but yet in faith, God provided and took care of it. So good question there. Any other quick questions, comments here about anything before we move on with the rest of the stuff? All right, so we know what happens here. Let's come on, move on here. Verse 7, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood... Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Verse 8 is a powerful verse. I mean, it's it's a powerful verse. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Some people believe that that phrase, for, should be out of there. And it should say, My son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. A lot of foreshadowing there of a picture of Christ, of God providing the offering himself. I mean, think about this. We are stuck in this sin problem. I mean, th- this is a problem we've created. Our, our ancestors sinned, which brought a curse on the world. And I can't even blame them. I've been on this world for 37 years, and I, I've sinned. I've committed my own sins. I, I've Failed as a leader in my house, as a pastor, as a man of God, as a husband. I mean, fill in the blank. I've created this sin problem. How is this problem going to be fixed? Verse 8, God will provide himself the offering. I can't do it. That's the beauty of Christianity is there's this problem that God reveals to me, this sin problem, that I deserve hell. And he goes, don't worry, I'll pay for it. And that's exactly what happened here. Abraham said, God's going to provide the sacrifice. Verse 9, then they came to the place of which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Remember, we think that word lad, this guy could be easily 20, maybe even 30 years old. Verse 10, Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, so he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him, for I know that you now fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Let me stress again, the purpose was not to have the blood of Isaac. The purpose was to reveal the faith of Abraham. 
Let's just be honest. Have you ever had a situation in your life when you think, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? Seriously, Lord. You have given me the bad day of all bad days. Why? Why did you do that, Lord? And not even just the bad day of all bad days. Why am I the one that got the diagnosis? Why am I the one that lost the job? Why am I the one that got the crummy marriage? Why am I the one that always has problems at home? Why, Lord? Do you ever think that maybe the Lord wants to reveal your faith? Are you going to trust Him during the difficult times? We say out here all the time, it is so easy to say, praise God, everything is great. There's a couple out here years ago that we were trying to minister to for a very, very long time. What I would call fringe people. Did not come regularly, did not come faithfully in any way whatsoever, but we always had a relationship with them. They started going through this very difficult time, and we got really involved in their lives. And God ended up answering some amazing prayers, some of the best amazing prayers I've ever seen answered. And they started coming out to church. And it was a really neat season of them coming out. And then life got difficult again. And we lost them. They never came back. And I, I mean, I still know them. I still talk to them. And their spiritual life is not where it's supposed to be. It was easy for them to come when everything worked out. It was easy for them to be here at church and say, praise God, when all those amazing things happened. But faith is not revealed in the good moments. Faith is revealed in the bad moments. And you have to remember as a believer, your faith is revealed and tested when your life is difficult. Not when your life is easy. And God allows difficult times in our lives to test us to say, are you going to trust me? He's not going to ask you to sacrifice your child. He's not. But he will allow, now let me stress this, he will allow difficult moments, times, and stresses into your life to say, do you trust me? Which will reveal your faith. Abraham's faith was revealed. Verse 12, don't lay your hand on the lad. I know, I know now. Verse 13, Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. I don't know if the ram was lucky or not, but he was either in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time, depending on how you look at it. But that's what the Lord does. He provides, verse 13, he provides an answer that you don't expect. Oh, I tell you, I see this all the time. People come in and they want to talk about something. And in their own wisdom, they have narrowed down their life decisions to what I call A or B decisions. And they have to decide between A and B. There is always option C. Always option C. Think of how many times in the Bible mankind was at an A or B or thing. Alrighty, we're at the Red Sea. We have two options. We either go fight Egypt and all die because we're not warriors, or we just give up and go back and become slavery. A or B? What about option C? What's part the Red Sea? I mean, this is what happens. I have people come in and they talk about their lives. I can't handle this anymore. Either things need to change, that he needs to change, or if he doesn't change, I'm out of there. A or B? Well, maybe option C is you change to be able to handle it better be it marriage, be it work, whatever. There was no option C of, hey, there's a ram caught in the thicket. That's what the Lord does. And I, and I don't know if what you're struggling with tonight, but if you've come in here and you've gotten your life problems down to either A or B, you're, you're really limiting God. You're really limiting God. 
Verse 14. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. This is one of my favorite names of God in the Bible. Jehovah Jireh. I love that. There was an old worship song that we used to sing out here. Jehovah Jireh. And it was a great song. And it's just that simple reminder of God will provide. And God will provide for whatever struggle you're facing tonight. He will. Don't don't lock him into A or B. Let him have whatever option he wants to provide for you. The Lord will provide. And that's why it's called in the mount, the Lord shall be provided. Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven, saying, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing. You have not only withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And we are blessed because it's through the seed of Abraham we have Jesus. Because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Real quick, verses 20 through 24. These are verses we skip over a lot. Let me read it real quick and I'll tell you why it's there. Verse 20. Now it came to pass after these things that was told Abraham, saying, Indeed, Melchah also has born children to your brother Nahor. Huz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother. I've always loved that. Huz and Buzz. I don't know why. If you ever have twins, please name them Huz and Buzz. That would just bless me beyond belief if you would name your twins Huz and Buzz. Uh, Camille, the father of Aram, Chesed, Hazah, Pildash, Jipla, Bethel, Bethuel begot Rebekah. These eight, Machal, Bart, and Nahor, Abraham's brother, his concubine, whose name was Rema, also Barteba, Gaham, Fashas, and Maka. We read those verses and we say... Why? Why, verse 23, Rebecca, Isaac's wife. God is introducing us to the next chapter. Isaac's wife is Rebecca. And you may say, well, why couldn't he just say that? Because he's setting the tone here. Rebecca is Abraham's niece. And so, therefore, in a couple chapters, in chapter 24, when Abraham sends out somebody to say, hey, go find a wife for my son, and I want somebody from my family, Rebecca is introduced. So, that's why that information is there. Now, let's bring this all full circle here. I will repeat again, because I want this point to come across clear. It was never God's intention to have Isaac be killed. And I'm going to go one step further. It's not God's intention to make your life miserable. It's not. But God will allow difficult circumstances in your life to reveal your faith. The only way your faith can be revealed and tested is if the Lord allows a difficulty in your life for you to say, do I trust him or do I not trust him? Am I going to follow his plan or not follow his plan? Marriage, work, kids, church, ministry is easy when it all works out in our will. But when it goes difficult, are we still going to trust the Lord? Abraham never questioned this. God says, go do this. Abraham gets up early the next morning and does it. We see the background from Hebrews 11 that Abraham had concluded, the Lord's not going to take me this far and take Isaac away. Wow, what faith. What faith did Isaac have where he was willing to carry his own wood to his own sacrifice? What a picture of Jesus carrying the cross. So much foreshadowing here. So much symbolism here. And Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Oh my, if that's the only thing you get out of this tonight as you walk out of here this week, whatever difficulty you face in life, God will provide. Parents, teach that to your kids. God will provide the peace they need, the love they need, the kindness they need. 
God will provide the strength in your marriage. God will provide the strength at work. God will provide in your life. He will provide because he is Jehovah Jireh and he will meet your needs and help you through it. Great stuff there. The Lord had so much to say and I love that chapter and I hope that chapter blessed you as much as it blessed me. So, any final questions, comments here about anything that we covered? Joel. Yep. Yeah. And I love that. That's one of my favorite symbolisms. And if you didn't catch that, Joel has a wonderful point there. Isaac does not seem to be mentioned. Isaac seems to disappear. And you don't see Isaac until the end of chapter 24 when Isaac goes out to meet his bride. And a lot of people believe that's a picture of Jesus. That Jesus, after his death and resurrection, went up to heaven. And when's the next time we see Jesus is at the rapture when he sees his bride. The bride of Christ. And I'm glad you brought that up, Joel. It's a wonderful symbolism. It's a wonderful picture. We'll explore a little bit as we get to the end of chapter 24. But some really neat symbolism there of a picture possibly of Jesus and us, the bride of Christ. Anybody else have anything here before we close up? Yeah, Heather. Mm-hmm. That is, and it's amazing, and that's a great point about how God uses brokenness. We do everything we can in our lives with our loved ones, our kids, our anybody to stay away from brokenness. We do everything we can to protect. And really what God says is, I use brokenness to grow you. Um, great point there. Sometimes that brokenness it is not fun, it is not joyful, it's not pleasant, but we come out hopefully stronger and I'll walk in a relationship with the Lord. Good point. Anybody else have anything before we close up? Alrighty. Well, I'm glad you guys could come out. I hope you're blessed by this. And hey, let's pray. Let's pray that God will be Jehovah Jireh for us this week. Lord, as we just come to you now in the name of Jesus, we pray that you'll be the God that provides for us. Lord, if there's somebody here struggling spiritually, you will be the God that provides peace and comfort and strength to them. If there's somebody here tonight struggling emotionally, that you will be the God that gives them that comfort and that strength. If there's somebody here tonight that's struggling physically, that you will be the God that hears and helps and strengthens them physically. Thank you for being a God that cares and being a God that provided himself the sacrifice. Boy, we praise you, Lord, and we lift this up in your name. Amen. All right, you guys have a good week, and God bless.